This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Cyber Frontiers show number 23, which is a miracle all in itself, recorded on July 14, 2015. Here on Cyber Frontiers, we cover cybersecurity, big data, and the technologies that are shaping the future, all from an academic perspective. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Actually, it's really hot. Summer's in Nebraska are the worst. And, of course, we post the show with world-class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can contact the show. Just send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at jcollison, or you can call in those questions, 402-478-8450. Although it's a lot better if you record the conversation and email it to me again. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. That's a lot clearer than you guys calling in. TheAverageGuy.tv, of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners Web Hosting. Get secure, reliable, high speed and hosting from people that you know and you trust. That guy right across the screen from me over there. And uh, for more information, you can visit MapleGrovePartners.com. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit here in the show. And now Cyber Frontiers is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts out at TheGeeksNetwork.com. Com. We've added a few new podcasts out there. There's nine total in the network now, so you might want to head out. Don't do it yet. Wait till after the show. TheGeeksNetwork.com. Joining me tonight from this uh, security fortification, it's not Prince Frederick Hall, though, although it feels like, Christian, it's been that long since the last time we podcasted. Welcome back to another Cyber Frontiers. Thanks. It's good to be back. Um, amazing how many weeks managed to slip under the cracks uh, in between getting some chat time. Uh, but great to be on. Um, so much has happened in uh, the news world for cybersecurity uh, since we've last talked. So we're going to mostly spend our time in and of itself kind of recapping that and talking about where that's going and what the impacts are. Um, so it should be a pretty fallible conversation. Um, I don't plan to do any uh, deep dives into technologies, so um, hopefully it won't be too much of a, a brain melt this week as it has been on other shows, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's been a crazy summer. We have both been crazy with internships as we you were working uh, one. Maybe we can catch up with you a little bit. How's the jobs as you're working two, two one for me this summer and one over at uh, Northrop Grumman? Yeah, both have been exceedingly busy uh, and have kept me uh, certainly on my toes. Um, lots of uh, serious good technical work being done at both um, and lots of interesting problems um, that we've been solving. Um, and so that's really been uh, a key to um, doing well and trying to get the work moving. Is You know what the problems are on the horizon and it's just putting those... Uh, small stepping stones to get through the larger picture. So um, we're doing pretty well on those fronts at, at both places. Um, I have a great team going at uh, Gallup, really knocking out some some great work. Um, so I'm excited uh, with what's been done so far this summer. And really, I got about a month left uh, before uh, some launches happen. So um, it's going to get busy for me uh, all the more so as we go out of July and into August pretty soon here. Yeah, it's gone very, very fast. And I tell the interns when they get here in the summer, their first day, I say, guys, before you know it, in the blink of an eye, the summer is gone. And uh, sure enough, uh, this Friday, we'll say goodbye to our high school interns. They've done their six weeks at Gallup, and then they will be moving on. And it's always uh, the first two weeks, it's always a challenge to get them engaged. And then the last four weeks, it's always a challenge to to get them to get anything done. They're so busy. And uh, so this current group of high schoolers have done pretty well. We're going to try and hold on to a few. And actually, 
going to try and plug one of them into you, Christian. I think he's got some mojo. And then um, uh, you, you guys have a release I'm fairly excited about when we, I shouldn't say fairly, I'm really excited about first yeah. ever uh, on the growth platform. And uh, we're pretty pumped about that. And so that will come kind of the uh, kind of you're going to do that first of the month for is it end of the month or first of uh, August? We're targeting the first week of August, so uh, we're really trying to wrap up. My devs have all been out sick this week, so yeah, <laughs> I've been like, I know I had both of them down for two days. That's uh, both yeah. Colin and Ashton have not uh, felt well, so they haven't been into work. It's a bummer they missed the pictures today. It was one of those things we're just not going to be able to get everybody there on the same day to get that done. But um, yeah, they haven't been feeling well, but they've. They've had a good time. In fact, I, I mentioned at one point, hey, we'll move you. They're in a kind of an isolated down on the first floor in a conference room that sits right on the river, which is really, really beautiful. And I said, hey, you want to move up into the big room? You know, the high schoolers are leaving, and so they could join a good chunk of the college students. And they're like, no, I think we'll stay down here. <laughs> so they enjoy their quiet, and they're getting a ton of work done. And we wish Colin uh, could be here tonight with us, but he is not feeling well, and uh, we'll have him back on the next program. All right, let's get some stuff covered, Christian. I think uh, uh, late last month, uh, you know, a company that we've talked about and, and have kind of, I mean, we spent a lot of time. They've been on the show. In fact, they're going to be back on Home Gadget Geeks in August and LastPass, and we've kind of thought they were maybe unbreachable in some ways. They've said You might have thought that. <laughs> There's no such thing as something unbreachable, Jim. They, you know, you kind of, you kind of go into that thinking master password. You're going to be okay. Why don't you talk a little bit about? We're going, like I said, in in August, August 13th, I think we're going to have them on. Amber's going to come on and talk about the breach. But let's talk about it from your perspective. Uh, what happened at LastPass? Yeah, I mean, the the truth of the matter is, is that they had, you know, kind of a. a I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as stereotypical, but your run of the mill. Um, database exploitation. Um, you know, the difference here uh, when we talk about what the impact was is that there's obviously we, we fortunately found out under the covers that things were encrypted as they said they were. So it wasn't like there was some big revelation or cover up. Um, I mean, the technologies that were in place and the kind of flow of how things trickled downward into the system would be what we expected um, for this type of vulnerability. Um, but it really just emphasizes how there is no system that is connected to the internet that's impenetrable. Um, and there's really, that's, that's one of the core reasons why for years I've talked about alternatives such as RoboForm because th those types of password managers aren't dependent on cloud storage like LastPass is. And so, um, you know, in this case, no evidence that the encrypted user vault uh, was was taken or modified, nor were any user accounts uh, accessed. Um, but it, it leaves you at the end of the day saying, "Yeah, at the end of the day, the there was a gate and there was a gate protecting the house, and the gate got driven right over. And when they got to the house, though, there were basically machine guns and needles waiting for them. So it was like, you know, they kicked down the front door, but what, what they got inside was basically a big metal box, um, which is why, you know, when we talk about what is the ranging impact on LastPass as a business, I think short-term probably impacted their company. Long-term, they're going to come out of this relatively unscathed. Um, really one of the, in comparison to some of the other headlines that we'll talk about tonight, 
this thing's going to fall off the radar by by September. This will be old news. Um, and and really though, it continues to emphasize that even companies whose business is security um, puts them at huge risk for reputational damage. And so, if anything, the damage here was the fact that the reputation of the name was put at risk. Um, clearly, the fact that their user users data really wasn't um, shows that you know, they kind of prepared for the worst, hope for the best type thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these are the types of issues that are incredibly pervasive and um, definitely, I think, uh, takes a little bit of the rainbows and butterflies off of, oh, let's all just use LastPass because it's awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm really trying not to say that I think LastPass is any better or worse of a company for this. I think... Um, any company in general is improved by having this type of incident, uh, but surely, um, I'm sure they've measured how what type of damage and impact it's had on their reputation in the short term. But again, long term, I don't see this being a, a showstopper for them. Yeah. So for so for those who maybe haven't used LastPass uh, before, we you know they uh, the the evening it happened actually we got uh, Paul Brennan notified me via Google Plus. Hey, did you hear? about this that had been out. I had gotten several emails from them already saying, you know, kind of they were very they were very open, I think, about disclosing what had happened. You don't want to do that too early until you know the damage in the system a little bit. But and so uh, I think that afternoon, sometime about four o'clock, uh, and they they were very clear. They were like, you know, you need to you need to kind of change passwords. That would be our advice at this point. We don't think anything has gotten out, but you just might want to change your password anyway. Your master password. Right. You don't need to change any of your internal passwords. They were very right. clear about that. Don't don't go in there. You don't have to. I mean, if it makes you feel better, they have some pretty easy tools to go in and help you change passwords if that's what you wanted to do. But they right. were clear. And uh, one of the Christian, one of the things that forced me to do was to turn on two-factor on my master password. And right. I, it seems like every time I t we talk about LastPass, I do one more step in the very you know, password, password, password. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I used to not have as strong of a password as my master password, and then I didn't, I didn't do two-factor on anything. Then I started doing two-factor on on all my banking and email stuff on on my on the inside in the vault. But I had yet to do two form on my master password, and this prompted me to go two form on my. And I use the Google Authenticator for that. It's very very easy to do, even on an iPhone. The Google Authenticator, I think that's what it's called, right? Am I getting that right? Google Authenticator, and yeah, a little app that you can download to your phone. It works both on uh, Android, Windows Phone, and uh, iPhone. And uh, and you can select that. Well, I won't show you the numbers, but uh, it generates a series of numbers about every 60 seconds. And um, it it then I put that in. So every time I log into LastPass, it's going to give me that that dub that dual authentication. Then when I can trust that computer if I want to. So if it's one that I'm at all the time, and maybe I've got a password on that PC, and I'm very sure no one's going to get into it, I can set that to be a trusted computer and go back to kind of one factor here local. So. Anybody got a hold of anything and they were trying to log in as me? It would require two-factor. I'd have to have my phone and be able to log into that that uh, that two-factor um, app to get it done. Has not slowed me down very much at all in the process. In fact, it makes me sleep at night a little bit better. I, um, I so it was a really easy fix to turn on and get to use to get that done. But we are getting to the point right where two-factor is going to be super important. I think it's kind of super important in almost everything, right? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. one of those things we kind of got to get to to make sure that that we're doing the right stuff. 
Yeah, no, and I think, um, you know, the, just the, uh, to put logic behind why they would advise changing the master passwords, that was really just to rotate out the salts that were exposed um, by um, getting to the database level, right? So that's a pretty... Yeah, and, I, and I did change, I, I think I said I didn't, but I did change my master password as well. So got a completely new password in there and, and added the Google authentication piece to it as well. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so um, now contrast what happened at LastPass with what happened at OPM. And if you sit and think about if OPM had set up their infrastructure like LastPass, how different the news would look in a month. Um, it would just be truly, truly incredible. Um, just as a brief overview for anyone who isn't familiar with OPM or hasn't been staying up to date, um, essentially, uh, Office Personnel Management, they're the um, organization within the federal government that uh, basically retains all HR records for any federal employee who is a civil servant, uh, contractor, or otherwise to a federal uh, government entity uh, or independent agency. And so we're talking millions of federal employees in this database. Uh, we're talking a variety of different information, um, anything from personnel records to um, paychecks, etc. Um, when the initial breach happened, it was reported to Congress that about 4.1 million records were exposed. And I laughed when I first saw that because I said, I, I hate to break it to you guys, but if you stumble upon this type of breach and your initial estimate is 4.1, you're probably off by at least a factor of 5 to 10 usually. Turns out they were off by a factor of 4, 8, 12, 5, yes. Um, because as of today, about 21.4 million people impacted by this breach. Um, the implications are absolutely damning to the country uh, and will be for the next 40 years. Um, not only have all the HR records been, you know, totally compromised for any federal employee, um, but most of all the security clearances for the intelligence community have been completely uh, exfiltrated. Um, and that those paperwork documentations, um, when you fill out an application for security clearance, it has every detail about your life um, since birth on it. Um, and, and just basically, um, it's the equivalent of handing a foreign government uh, the, mar the Marauder's Map. If you've ever watched Harry Potter and the Prisoner Azkaban, and Harry opens up the Marauder's Map and says, I want to go here, and it you know draws on the map where he's got to go. It's the same exact thing. Um, this is incredibly damaging uh, because it gives a, a blueprint to uh, every intelligence and Department of Defense official in our government um, and their personal history. So um, not only were those forms gone, uh, but also lost was all the adjudication information, which is basically the huge compiled report about um, how you were reviewed and what the details are, you know, the nitty-gritty details about your life. Um, so this is, I mean, this is the type of information that um, countries have paid spies billions of dollars for years and years to glean, maybe 2% of what's in that database, and now our enemies essentially have 100% of it uh, for free and at very little cost. And so uh, they're really, you know, it's very different um, from... 
it's not like, you know, oh, my social security number was compromised. Let me go sign up for five-year credit protection. No, uh, this is a lot. This is, this is the largest breach in, in the history of our country, um, if not one of the largest cybersecurity breaches in the world. Um, the impact of what was lost uh, cannot be recovered. Um, and it's going to take 40 years and billions of dollars to basically um, fix this issue. And the only way you fix it is by retiring everyone in the federal government who was ever in that database. There's no patch. There's no monitoring. There's no protection. Um, this is a huge issue. And, and our government is really, um, you know, shame on us because the stark reality is that, you know, for the CIO of OPM to testify on Congress that encryption is a new technology and we still haven't gotten around to implementing it. I mean, what a sad excuse. Um, when you see how many companies in the Fortune 500 have to comply to uh, NIST standards, National Institute of Standards and Technology, um, which clearly define, like, clear as day, all the encryption and password requirements and systems requirements for anything that's digital. Um, and the government has no problem going after companies making sure they're in compliance with every letter and every new revision that comes out. And here you have a comp uh, an organization as, as powerful and wide-reaching as what OPM stores not even be using you know the encryption of 20 years ago. Uh, just incredibly disappointing, um, especially given you know the level of responsibility and trust that those systems are supposed to have. Uh, incredibly damaging. Um, we're now so broken as to what to do with this that the Equip system, which is the system that OPM uses for uh, investigative processing, it's basically where any security clearance paperwork gets uploaded, any type of background investigation that's initiated, any type of HR uh, record. Um, this is the system that it goes into OPM, used by every federal agency, um, is offline. So now our government, supposedly supposed supposed to be one of the advanced technical societies of our of our great 21st century, has gone back to pen and paper and drop it in a mailbox um, because we have nothing until the system gets rebuilt. So um, we're basically uh, this is one of the the largest you have to be kidding me um, moments for us because we have screwed around with cybersecurity legislation on the Hill. It's gotten nowhere. We've talked a lot about it. We forced the private sector to move a lot about it. Um, and, you know, here's one of the prime examples of an organization in the government that should be following the standards and the letters that other smart agencies in the government have clearly followed. Um, and it's just really tragic. Um, OPM. Christian, yeah, let me ask ahead. you this. You know, the NSA, they, we catch the NSA spying on us, and it's major news. Not that this isn't, but major news, all kinds of conversation. Every podcast I know is talking about it. It's all over CNN, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying this isn't news, but, but it's kind of been a snoozer in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, it got leaked, and some people have been talking about it, and it's made a little bit of news. But it, to me, it's felt like it hasn't made quite the splash. In that I don't think, I don't think people... Yeah, I don't think that people get the ramifications of yeah. it, right? I right. think uh, the average American is all really caught up in the fact that, uh, you know, their data, they think their data is being exfiltrated and Big Brother is watching them. Um, honestly, if that were the case, I'd be much happier with Google and NSA stealing all of my data because I know they know how to keep it secure. You, <laughs> never, you never hear about Google or NSA having a data breach. Yeah, 
go ahead and exploit my data if if that's how you feel, right? But my whole point is if we're going to if we're going to make a laundry list of organizations I trust not to get breached and and take that data, my data is out there. We know that. It's who can actually hold on to it. Um, I would put NSA and Google in the top in my top 3 picks for um, technical talent and systems capabilities to protect that information. Um, and clearly OPM far down bottom on the list. But now, I think um, one of the really concerning things, I mean, if it can get any worse, 1.1 million fingerprints, which are, right, <laughs> are, I mean, you can't change your fingerprints. You can't, nope. I mean, that, and that for the longest time I've watched in a lot of the military guys, they authenticate into the system with a thing, with a card and a fingerprint. And now that's, that second form of, you know, that we just talked about two-factor, that two-factor is potentially gone for 1.1 million people. And many of those are probably active duty or currently in the military or currently serving the government, and it creates a problem, right? I mean, it's two-factor. That two-factor is gone, and it will be gone like you mentioned. It only, gets, it only matters when people retire out of the system. And so that, to me, that's a little concerning. Now, at least it's not 21.0 million, but it sounds like they got the whole, the whole 1.1 is pretty close, maybe, to the whole database of, of fingerprints that are in the system. So it's, that's pretty concerning, just that piece. Yeah, and and um, you know, I don't think it's surprising to me um, the level of reactions from the general public versus the people who really understand and are closer to the situation, understand the implications. Um, this is unlike. This is not your Sony breach. This is not your Home Depot or your Walmart or whatever. Um, this opens up big, 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 big security problems for us. Um, and as you can imagine, everyone is scrambling to basically put in whatever safety nets we can um, to protect this information. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's starkly astounding to me um, watching the director of the OPM, you know, sit and testify on the Hill that, you know, OPM has a great team of dedicated and talented people and, you know, this couldn't be avoided and they did what they could. You know, at the end of the day, what I labeled that whole thing as is BS, right? Um, and I think that was pretty clear when the, the head of OPM was uh, resigned and stepped down. Um, but it's amazing to me um, after all of the things we've seen in the news over the years um, about, you know, dumb things that keep making these issues show up in the news, um, how the federal, certain agencies in the federal government haven't gotten that message when they should be one of the first organizations in the world to get that message loud and clear. Um, and so it's just going to be very difficult uh, for cyber legislation. It's going to be very difficult to rebuild these systems. Uh, we're talking a large magnitude of billions of dollars lost, um, and we're talking serious, real, actionable threats um, in the future based on having this data. Um, the fact that the CIO of OPM is still there is astounding to me. I don't think they went far enough with just removing the head of OPM. Um, the fact that OPM was running as outdated of systems as they were and didn't have the right funding to run better systems uh, mind-boggling, mind-boggling, really, to me, um, given that uh, I've seen and worked firsthand for many years for federal agencies who, um, you know, always complain about their shrinking, decreasing um, 
OCIO, CIO office budgets to do these things and end up spending it on stuff that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, your number one priority is security data retrieval. Get it right. Um, the fact that they've lost that basic tenant at such a massively important organization to our government is uh, disturbing. The fact that we think encryption is a new unknown technology is uh, frightening. And the fact that the average American citizen doesn't get it is terrifying in that order. Yeah, I just don't think, I mean, we're not in the outrage. I mean, I remember that last year. And, and man, I, people on the podcast, like, outrage, NSA, how dare they? This is awful. I mean, there were all kinds of all kinds of dialogue around that. And this has just been crickets. Uh, in the, um, re from an article from the National Journal, uh, interesting, they said... Um, uh, a former NSA official also speculated that most of the stolen fingerprints were likely digital scans and not the older ink-based records, which may suggest that the bulk of the prints belong to active or recent employees, right? They got the, the most recent ones. Broader breaches affect all employees going back to 2000, OPM mm -hmm. said. So quite a, you know, quite a ways back. Think about it. I unlock my, unlock my phone with my fingerprint, right, at this point. And not just one, but um, five, different fingerprints that are on there. And so, yep. you know, you kind of think, I think in the article they also talk about that, yeah, we're not to the point where we're using fingerprints for everything yet, but the plan, the five to ten year plan, was that that would become more and more important as a biometric measure of something that was uniquely you. Now, that being said, if you want to be attacked, there's a lot easier ways to lift fingerprints of you of yours than <laughs> yes. breaking and hacking into OPM, right? This is... People, if people want your fingerprints, they will get you leave them everywhere every day, <laughs> right? You can just think about doing that. Someone could follow you around and lift your fingerprints. So that at the end of the day, if they want to get them, they could. It's just this mass amount, especially for active duty military where, you know, our operatives move around and oftentimes are under assumed, you know, or other names. And uh, they can now be identified fairly easily in a database that has gone most likely to China, right? I mean, this is really, this article is a little extreme in the sense that they're saying this is kind of a, these are battlefield preparations, right? This isn't a, this isn't a financial exploit. This isn't a let's embarrass somebody, which Sony was, right? Sony was an embarrassment kind of thing. This is preparation for the battlefield, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that hurt you as you're getting ready to go to war. I'm not implying that China is preparing for war with the United States, but it is, it's a serious implication, right? Yeah, and, you know, who's, uh, even if you say, okay, China has that data, well, great, who else has that data? Everyone, you assume everyone has that data at that point. Right. Um, you really, it, it's not even at that point worth putting a specific name on it because it's it's everywhere at that point. Um, yeah, you know, when we talk about lessons learned, lessons learned are that we haven't learned any lessons, um, and that's depressing because I've seen how hard the Fortune 500 has had to work at this issue, how much money they've spent in it, how much talent and resources they've put into it. Um, and honestly, I, I feel somewhat confident that the private sector has really made marked measurable improvements over the last five years in cybersecurity. Um, and just to not see that um, equivalent growth in the government side uh, really shows how poor we're doing. Um, and, you know, I think some of it, too, is when we talk about, you know, where are the talented technologists going to gravitate towards? Are they going to gravitate 
to OPM. You know, how many technologists feel they're going to have a rewarding career working for OPM? I got to be honest, if someone told me, hey, do you want to come work at the OPM? We'll pay you half a million dollars a year. I'd probably still have to sit and really think about that because I don't know if that's the environment I'd find interesting. Um, so, you know, they're probably devoid of uh, brain cells of meaningful people who know how to run these systems properly, and that's a serious problem. Um, and so I, I think going forward, the government has to really decide um, are we going to waste our money on these antiquated systems or are we going to pay contract uh, and contract companies to come in here and stand up something real? Um, it's great that the government feels empowered that they can do all these things on their own in terms of the digital systems that are being built. Um, to be quite honest, though, um, we're seeing that some of these agencies cannot, cannot stand afloat with their in-house uh, technical talent and, and, and strategy. Uh, just a, an absolute bombshell and a nightmare. Um, so I, um, sadly, sadly, I almost don't care about the technical side of this. The technical side was boring to me because it was like kind of one of those things where it's like <sighs> the fact that there's an external system that was able to even touch some of that data um, is mind-boggling to me um, and they're really you know we could sit here and analyze what the point of entry was and you know where the flaw was in the system but that's not the whole point the whole point is that they didn't do what LastPass built their system to do at the beginning which they designed it where if you knock down the front door you're gonna you're gonna basically start running for the for the pot of gold and meanwhile there's a, a, a mouse trap that's going to trip you, tie you by your ankles and flip you upside down and you're never going to get to the gold, right? Um, and here it was just like, yeah, dry, uh, knock down the door, drive in with a U-Haul, start shoveling and, and speed away from the crime. So um, it's kind of like, it's one of those things that just leaves you speechless. I mean, what else is there to say about this? Um, it's going to be a mad dash and scramble to put anything back together that's going to be secure and going to get us off of uh, doing paper, which, hey, now we've, now we've advanced ourselves to something really secure, pen and paper. Uh, and the U.S. Postal Service lives to tell another tale of how they're still relevant in our society. Um, so for me, this is a big... Uh, I don't know, for me, this is, this is a big deal. I'm, I'm surprised that more people haven't been fixated on this, but the implications are, are very big. Do you think um, you think um, from a federal government standpoint, from a spending standpoint, especially as we're now going into an election cycle, which just means in the United States nothing is going to get done, right, between now and November of next year. Do you think we can make any changes or the governor make any changes to fund, to get some funding in here to make this? Because you know, it seems like we overfund, you know, certainly, you know, we've got war, physical war going on on several different fronts right now. Well, we won't call it that because it's been scaled down, but we're still spending quite a, money, a bit of money on defense, and yet we're not protecting these basic infrastructure pieces that, I mean, this is important stuff. Well, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm terrified for the day the electric grid gets, gets attacked. I mean, I think the fact that we've seen that this can happen to something like OPM on this scale to me speaks that, you better hope that the majority of our power grid is uh, run by private companies that know what they're doing uh, because um, that's really, I think, the next big area that we haven't seen yet in the in the media be like a huge incident but has so much potential to be 
Um, and, and, you know, I can only imagine... Can you imagine getting access to a power grid where you get into the system and you have access to control all the voltages and, and current running through every transformer within a, you know, a 500-mile radius? Can you imagine what would happen if all those things con concurrently exploded at the same time and started fires? Yeah, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a big problem, right? Um, and I don't, I don't honestly know if that, you know, is the OPM breach going to be a wake-up call for the electric sector? I don't know. Um, we don't really talk about it because it's never, we've never had a big electric grid breach before. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I don't put that out of the purview of possibilities. Um, when we talk about what the government is going to do with this uh, legislatively, um, money is only part of the problem. Uh, I think the funding will show up if 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 uh, Congress moves to it. It's clear that there are a lot of politicians positioning themselves to at least come come off as if they're they're cognizant or knowledgeable about anything related to cybersecurity. Um, I kind of start chuckling a little bit inside when I watch some of these senators and representatives talk about cybersecurity on the floor as if they have even the slightest sense of what they really are, what they really want to say, right? Um, and you know, yeah, it'd be great if you could get those guys to fund some of these initiatives, but uh, you got to fix a bigger problem, and that is who are your people and what is your mission. And those two things are just clearly missing at some of these agencies. Um, and you can throw a lot of money at a problem and get nowhere with it. Um, and so I, you know, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to throw their money at that's going to have a different impact um, this time around. And so, um, you know, I'm sure OPM is going to have a big, bigger pocket of money for security improvements, um, but the damage is already done. Um, so where else in the government is, is shaking in their boots saying, wow, we're going to be next? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got some things to think about there for sure. It, it does spell an interesting, um, you know, for you and you think about your, uh, you know, your cybersecurity program that you're do, doing there at, uh, at Maryland. Uh, you're, all, you're in it for the right reasons, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's not going anywhere for sure. And uh, you're going to have some... You know, you're gonna have a lot of opportunities uh, here in the future to help make things better. Yeah, and and uh, it's 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 shocking, but the truth of the matter is, anyone who is going seriously as a professional into cybersecurity career is gonna have multiple lifetimes of work to keep them busy. I mean, there's just gonna be no shortage of it in the near term. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, it's an interesting contrast between the two. Like I said, we'll have LastPass on here and in, in, uh, have Amber on from LastPass coming up in in uh, August. I think it's the 13th or something like that coming up. Watch uh, watch TheAverageGuy.tv in the schedule. It'll be there. I, I wanted to purposely let her get kind of past this the hype of it. I thought it would actually be more than it was, and it ended up not being that big of a deal. So... I scheduled that a little bit later in the month because I knew there was just a lot of things going on at LastPass, so I wanted to let them back off. But be interesting to see where we go with this news. I think it's just going to die a quiet death, and uh, you know, two weeks from now it'll be out of the news cycle, potentially, and uh, we may forget. Maybe in the public channels, but I think right. this OPM stuff is going to drag out. Um, well, I maybe they're in Washington. Oh, I mean, in Washington, it's the only thing people are talking about right now. Uh, I can say that relatively confident that it's it's on everyone's mind down here. Yeah. Um, 
as we uh, we've been doing this about 40 minutes or so, anything else you want to bring when we think about what's going on in the cyber world and some updates from that? Hey, maybe we could update a little bit uh, when we think about Maple Grove Partners. I don't yeah. we haven't talked about Maple Grove Partners here. Mm -hmm. Cyber Frontiers. I want to give us a little update on what's going on at the maybe a more secure solution in Maple Grove Partners. <laughs> yeah, so we've been working on, um, and we we did a deep dive on this over at uh, Home Gadget Geeks. If you want to check out that episode, I think it was 218. Don't quote me on that. Something like um, that. Yeah. But um, I showed basically some of our uh, intrusion detection and real-time threat analysis dashboards that we've been building. Um, for that platform, and you know, we really work to try and make our web hosting environment um, provide a lot of the security that your typical web host uh, won't do and won't customize. Uh, so we've been using a lot of open source uh, technologies for our data analytics. Uh, we do real time streaming data on our all of our networks and systems, which has been really great, um, and it really allows us to keep our networks from getting abused and keep our our sites getting the high throughput and. Uh, and, and getting legitimate users to the site and keeping uh, people out who are not using the site for legitimate purposes out. Um, we're starting to work on a, a new load balancing architecture. Uh, we're kind of started to, uh, we started to see some uh, saturation on our existing setup and so we're looking to move to an even more distributed version of what we have existingly. Um, and so we're starting to work on the uh, schematics for how that's going to uh, play out and interact. Uh, we've started ordering, we've ordered some new hardware actually in the last couple weeks here that's going to be installed in the network um, in August. And um, so we're we're keeping busy. Uh, we're continuing to grow our customer base, and um, it's been a it's been a fun um, fun ride, basically bringing that up to uh, even the next evolution from when we started. Yeah, no, it kind of keeps you busy, and uh, lots of things going on. I think uh, the average guy TV was maybe a little hitch in that <laughs> process for a while. Yep. Yep. And uh, and so it's a great experiment. I mean, I I still you know I still love uh, the chance to, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like Maple Grove Partners, you got to be willing. I mean, we're doing a lot of different stuff there, and I think you know it's a learning process for you as well. I think the exciting thing is we get to kind of grow with you um, as as you do that, and and uh, it's it's a grand experiment, and and um, it's, so it's fun to. You know, to do that as well. As yep. you look ahead for a fall, what uh, what's up for you guys, you and Ashton? What's kind of coming up when we think about what's year three? It's hard to believe I'm saying year three. Good God, <laughs> what's I seem like you were a junior in high school yep. yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah, um, that's terrifying. It is terrifying when you start looking at the pictures. Uh, I'm a lot grayer yeah, that than too. I was when you were <laughs> when you were junior in high school. I was. I had some. I had some dark hair. It's all gotten gray. Um, what's next year? What's the, kind of the focus for you guys for next year? Yeah. Um, at least for uh, Ashton and I, uh, we're really starting to get down into 400 level courses in the computer science department. Um, I'm going to be taking uh, courses in database design and compilers uh, this semester, which uh, compilers is arguably the second hardest uh, 400 level you can take at College Park, um, uh, second only to operating systems, obviously, which um, should be self-evident why that would be the hardest course. Um, but I'm really actually looking forward to it. Um, I think there's uh, really when you start to get to the 400s, you at that point have gone past all the weed out courses in the major and you're really starting to focus on what you care about 
um, even within the discipline of computer science, right? There's the, kind of the first level of the fact that you're taking mostly courses in your field of interest, and now there's the fact that you're starting to specialize within your field. Um, and so this is really uh, year three for both of us will be uh, highly focused on specialization and upper level. Uh, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a different feel from uh, year two. Uh, where I was still finishing kind of a lot of prerequisites, a lot of the uh, courses that are uh, backbreakers for a lot of students. Um, and, and, you know, there's going to be uh, more research threads that are um, somewhat similar to what I was doing last year. Um, I'm, I might think about changing that up some this year. I still haven't gone that far. Um, obviously, College Park is a big public research institution, so research is, is part of the mission, uh, not just the coursework. So um, I've already satisfied all my research requirements uh, for graduation, for uh, honors college and otherwise, um, but I don't think I want to stop there. Um, so for me personally, it's going to be uh, starting to figure out where uh, research is, what, what research looks like in year three. I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, and so uh, definitely a lot of avenues that could go down, and that's something I'm going to try and play by ear a little bit more once once it gets closer to fall semester. Cool. Well, I like the fact that you got Bruce Lee hanging on the wall. Yeah, he's company him. at night, you know. He's nice and safe. He's the uh, he's the, the kick-ass cybersecurity expert. <laughs> I aspire to his physical greatness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Well, hey, anything else you want to cover? I'll, otherwise, I'll wrap it. Yeah, no, I think that's a wrap. Um, hopefully, I'll have uh, our... Uh, Ashton back as a uh, co-host on, on deck uh, next time so that we can uh, go even further. But I just wanted to get those two news items out there and at least uh, make mention of them and not skip over them in our uh, cr uh, chronology of uh, historical events going on in cybersecurity because yeah. these, are, these are definitely, in my mind, are going to go down as some of the largest, uh, well, not LastPass, but OPM goes down in yeah. my book right now as the single most largest atrocity in cybersecurity in, in history. Yeah. Um, bold statement, um, and we know that I don't necessarily always like to make those. I do. I do like making bold statements, but um, I mean it when I say that this is uh, far-reaching and is going to uh, have a lot of um, kind of domino trickle-down effects that we're not going to see for a couple of years. Yeah. No, very good. Well, with that, we'll... We'll wrap it. We'll remind you, if you want to take advantage of uh, all the resources we have available, you can do that at theaverageguy.tv, Cyber Frontiers. If you haven't caught up on uh, Home Gadget Geeks, you might want to head back. We've had some really good shows over the last couple weeks, and uh, even during the summer, maybe catch up while you're mowing the lawn, something like that. Good to have you over there. Head over to theaverageguy.tv, catch up on Cyber Frontiers, as well as Home Gadget Geeks. Love to do that. Don't forget to use the Amazon affiliate link. When you're out at Amazon, that helps us with the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund, the averageguy.tv slash Amazon. I did produce a newsletter this month and uh, finally got it done. It was a difficult one to write. Once you read it, you'll, re you'll know why. So head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. It's out there. Sign up for it so you get it automatically uh, if you can. I've, we've got about 300 subscribers now to that, although I think 250 of those are fake. <laughs> but I, Again, I can never figure out why someone would register 10 people a day to my MailChimp account that are fake email addresses. They don't open them. I get, you know, there's 50 or so of you who open the emails. That's that's kind of who I count. And I wish I could kind of clean them out. I guess I could go through and see who hasn't looked at the last three and then maybe just unsubscribe them. Maybe that's what I'll do on MailChimp. But uh, if you want to, if you haven't seen the newsletter, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter, and I just put that out this weekend. 
and if you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't done that yet, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. All the subscribe links for everything is out there, and we want to thank Media Fire for hosting the video. We, we are now using video for both Home Gadget Geeks and Cyber Frontiers. If you want to do that, uh, the links to get those via RSS, and they're, they're pretty small. Only twice The small is only twice the size of the audio. So if you want to see our smiling faces on your phone when you watch this and watch maybe Christian do bad kung fu <laughs> there, you will want to register or get signed up, subscribe for the video small, and that's the most popular one for this show, so you might want to do that as well. TheAverageGuy.tv, of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners, and uh, we talked a little bit about that. Plans start at 10 bucks a month, MapleGrovePartners.com, and we'll remind you, if you liked or enjoyed this podcast, share it. This is one of the things we're, Christian, we're three or 400 now on downloads a month, which is yep. pretty good, and uh, we'd like to help uh, have you help us get the word out, so if you want to get that done, we would appreciate it as well. I'd love to say when we're going to be back, but we we honestly have no idea. We've got to get some things scheduled, but we appreciate you listening to this podcast. Sorry it's been so long, but it's in, and it's done, and I hope you enjoyed it. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Good night.